some things happen, sometimes it's for the best, sometimes it's not, but today it looks like we had a, an audio issue, but we're back, we're live, it's the off season, there's drama, there's drama on my stream, there's drama in cycling, is USA Cycling renewal situation going to be something that's going to be a fiasco, Chloe Diger, is she the new Quinn Simmons? Room is he beyond reproach? NTT gets their assholes saved. Yes, it's Friday, the 18th of November, episode 213. And this time, I hope we are back. I tried to stream here, and someone came on and said no sound. Checked it. Um, I think it's good now. So hopefully, it's back out, and you guys are able to check this out and delete the first episode. You won't even know know what happened. Um, if you're out there online with me on YouTube right now, go ahead and, and comment. Tell me if you can hear me to make sure that we are good to go. I think we made all the corrections we needed to. I uh, do apologize for that if you were checking out the first one. Um, NTT, they are saved by ASOS. ASOS being a clothing company. NTT was set away to go away in the end of 2020. They couldn't find a sponsor. Bionni Reese was brought in with Bionni Reese. They were supposed to be able to save the team. It looks like all was going to be bleak. He went away and then, boom, um, ASOS, ASOS came in and put in some money and they're able to save the day. Uh, Doug Ryder, the world team um, manager had some comments out there. He said, we're really, uh, well, ASOS said, we're really motivated by the opportunity and to support the team during the COVID crisis. And Doug Ryder had been searching for a new sponsor since the start of the year. In September, it was revealed the NTT would be stepping away from the team altogether after just one season as a lead sponsor. The news of the departure put the team in serious jeopardy. Several high-profile riders, including Michael Valgren, went away. I think he went to uh, EF. Edward Van Bogen, Bosenhagen, Ben O'Connor, all signed for rival teams. I think uh, Bosenhagen was, sounds good, Frank. Thanks. Sorry about that, buddy. We'll just restart from the beginning. Um, um, Bosenhagen, I think, went to NTT, or, or Total Direct Energy. Uh, not sure where O'Connor went, but also you had uh, you had your buddy, old uh, Ben King. He was signed up with uh, NTT, didn't make the, the venture on with them. They were unsure what they were doing. He's gone over to rally and we're kind of excited to see him. You know, they took picked up Joy Roscoff. That team has been escalating and moving themselves up in the in the world as, as well, doing some Euro stuff. And if we get back to racing here in the U.S., hopefully they will um, be able to kind of push in, in USA cycling. And we'll talk, talk about that in a little bit as well. Uh, but anyway, I'm really glad to hear that. One thing that's really interesting that I didn't notice here, we'll have uh, – from the ASOS uh, CEO, we have a really enjoyed being a part of the mission-driven team. Quebec's slogan that bicycles change lives could not inspire us more. The ASOS has always been and continues to be deeply entwined in professional cycling. We really moved the, uh, moved by the opportunity to support in the sport during the COVID crisis by keeping this important team part of the Propeloton, said ASOS CEO Derek Bruchard Hall. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that Derek Bouchard Hall was the uh, CEO. He had been with Shackley. He was a pro racer back in the 90s, a little bit in the 2000s, I believe. Uh, a few years ago, he was the CEO of USA Cycling, and now he's moved on to ASOS. And good for him. I did not know that info until I just read it here. And I look forward in welcoming new partners to Team Quebec ASOS as we plan to prepare for the new season in 2021 in a world that has been so heavily impacted by the pandemics, Doug Ryder said. Uh, yeah, good. So I'm 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 happy to see that uh, another team has been able to stay in the mix. I didn't think we have anything for CCC. Like you know, it's uh, especially at the economics this time of year. The pandemic is obviously an issue, and good to see a clothing a company stepping up. Bicycles, though, I mean, people are going outside. They're riding their bikes. You know, companies, uh, bike shops are seem to be doing okay at some point. 
you may not have consumers with money anymore. Uh, but I guess we'll worry about that when the time comes. Speaking of USA Cycling, uh, USA Cycling, they have their license fee. It's like, I don't know, for me, it's like 130 bucks or something like that. Uh, it's really gone up, um, but they have an auto renew system. So this time of year, they start sending emails out and saying, hey, you know, um, we're going to auto renew your, your, your license for the coming year. Um, and you can obviously check out of that, which I've done last several years. And then they auto <laughs> renew it anyway. So I've heard this from a lot of people where they check the auto renew button, take it off and it happens anyway. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens next year. And then people are saying, um, you know, do I even auto renew? Do I even renew next year? Are we going to have cycling? So look, 2020, the last race I think I did was somewhere in February. We're going to, there's supposed to be a land park for us here in Northern California. That didn't get ha happen in March because of uh, COVID. Cycling was taken out. And some people were wondering, you know, hey, are we going to maybe get a partial, um, like maybe a, a partial refund or something like that for your license for 2020? Well, no, that didn't happen. Uh, and, you know, at the point, I remember talking to Mike Sayers, and he's like, like you know, funds go to help support directors and, and coaching and, and other stuff. You know, there's other things still going on, you know, to support the federation. So it, eh, he wasn't too uh, interested in getting some sort of rebate back. And I was fine with that for 2020. Uh, but do you go forward um, for 2021? Uh, that's the, actually the big question. One, we'll see what happens with the auto renew thing. I think that's a big problem because you're going to get a lot of people are aware of it. I go on the website myself and I try to check the box and it just says NA. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if other people have any of those problems. And if they get charged anyway, um, I think me personally, I could be in the clear because the summer got one of my, my debit card fried. It's the one I use for that. And they sent me a new one. It's got a new expiration date. So I think I'm okay. They're probably not going to be able to charge, but I'll be interested to see if others who've checked the box or unchecked it, or I can't even check or uncheck it now. It just says NA and don't even have that ability. So it'd be interested to see kind of what that situation takes out. Now that's the auto renew. And I think USA Cycling is aware of this problem. Their website sucks. And maybe this is their ploy of, look, you just get it. You, you have people automatically pay. They're gonna, it's going to be harder for them to get that back. We can at least sustain our development and keep going forward. Maybe that's it. Or maybe their developers just so suck, uh, suck so much on the, on the website side that they, um, they're not really going to do much about it anyway. Or they can't, they don't even know. Um, but then there's the other issue. Um, do you renew? Okay. This is a totally completely a, a different question. Um, I'm sure USA cycling would appreciate you renewing and uh, they're probably hopeful to do some races in 2021. Um, for you though, what, what's the reason for giving your money to USA cycling? What's the reason that they exist and would they have in mind? I mean, they're cycling development, licensing and race promotion or getting people involved in, um, races, I guess, in, in, in the sport of cycling. Um, there's benefits to being a part of USA Cycling. Personally, uh, I might give to them willingly, somewhat of a private organization. I think they get some government funds. I'm not quite sure on all that. Uh, they have the licensing. So the licensing portion is somewhat, you know, tries to keep it fair, right? By having your different categories, uh, being able to uh, have people compete fairly. They have rules set out, you know, you're able to upgrade it as you are uh, coaching, I think they offer some of that. They definitely have, you know, the, the officials, there's sanctioning races. It's, it, there's all good parts of it. You don't get to have Lance Armstrong as an example, come and do your races because he's been banned from the sport. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good parts of that. And then there's the race promotion side. And when I say race promotion, I don't mean there's, there's local promoters. I think USA Cycling does make, make the big amateur national races. 
but them in promoting the sport of cycling or licensing um, for venues, right? Uh, and I don't think, to me, that's that's the reason I'm not going to, one, let them try to let them auto um, renew my license. But two, I think that's where I'm going to possibly not pay for them because, and I'm probably on the outs as far as uh, here about myself. We had some racing in Florida this year, a little bit in Georgia. Some people went down there. I'm not sure if those were sanctioned USA cycling races, but, um, you know, USA cycling has really done nothing to get cycling back on the board. And what's one of the best things that you can do for yourself for staying fit and for staying healthy is uh, doing bike racing. Some people are like, look, it's just bike racing. You know, what's more important? We got this pandemic thing going on. I get it. We had the Tour de France. We had the Vuelta. We had the Giro. There's some other, there's gravel races being taken place. I mean, you can definitely do some things and I think you can be uh, healthy. Um, but at this point, you know, with all, even with the, th- the three grand tours, we had restrictions that appeared to be pretty good as far as the outcome there, you know, riding your bike outside itself is dangerous. I mean, what, there's more danger probably of uh, riding your bike than the COVID situation. Um, with that said though, uh, I think you could put measures in place to keep everybody happy and have some actual uh, racing if that's what people want to do. Um, be an advocate for health and for healthy living that's kind of the whole idea. I mean, cycling shops are still out there. They're still able to be essential uh, workers. And the de- best defense for your immune system, I think, is to actually be outside, riding your bike and getting plenty of uh, vitamin D. Uh, also, there was that study that came out, the Belgian study earlier, uh, that freaked everybody out. You know, someone's snot rocket on the bike and it shows how it just infects everybody out. I don't think that, well, first of all, there was a lot of uh, problems with that study. I didn't go into it too much at the time but it's all done like in a vacuum. So you have crosswinds, you have all kinds of other factors that play a part. And so there's that, the study got ripped apart by a bunch of scientists anyway. Um, with that said, you really need to be exposed for a little bit longer periods of time than in my understanding. And we haven't seen the problems from the group rides uh, that I've seen, races um, that we've had in the States, the gravel rides, the tours, the big grand tours. So maybe that's not a problem. So, you know, if USA Cycling wants my money for 2021, they need to see what they can do about promoting bike racing going forward and getting us out there, getting more. Look, cycling right now is taking off. Once again, the bike shops are exploding. They're selling bikes like crazy. ASOS was able to put money into uh, NTT because they're you know probably selling a bunch of clothing extra. Let's get these people that are into cycling, let's get them into racing as well. So USA Cycling, maybe you can do that. And and once again, I don't mind any of this diversity stuff because you're getting people into the world of cycling. That's perfectly great. Matter of fact, that's encouraged. Uh, but there's just a lot that I don't, I don't know what USA Cycling is doing other than just running a really terrible website. And with that in mind, um, you know, a lot of guys would like to um, see what they get for their, and, and you know, no offense, but kind of the road racing thing is dying. You're getting the big, you know, gravel races and other things going on. So with that said, um, maybe this isn't a perfect time for USA Cycling to kind of throw on the towel. I think you should become a, an advocate for bike racing. And even in this weird world we have right now, be an advocate for putting on some races and see what we can do. You know, even if it's that shitty old thing out in the middle of a, uh, a business park, right? Some Everyone parks in one spot. You can totally do some things and get some racing going. And the fact that they haven't, okay, then then we'll see where my money goes. Chloe Dygard, do we do you, do you want to ruin your uh, podcast, Tyler? Yes, I do. 
And so, therefore, we will talk about Chloe Dygart. Um, they came for Quinn Simmons, and now they're coming for Chloe. Will they come for you next? Chloe Dygart. Uh, so when the whole thing with Quinn Simmons came about, there was a lot of hubbub online. I remember reading a bunch of tweets, not interacting because that's I'm not crazy, a uh, bunch of tweeting about Quinn Simmons, how he's a hateful person, and then they threw into the mix because the only other person I think that they knew that was high profile, that was a Trump supporter, was Chloe Dygert. So therefore, hey, you know, she's evil as well. And with that, people started to scour her Twitter account and they found that she had liked some tweets. And those tweets evidently were um, pretty nasty. Well, we'll go over them whether they are or not. Um, when Chloe seemed to be more reserved than online than Quinn Simmons, I mean, if you have to, she's got more of a brain, I think, maybe on this respect. She's a little older. She's just a little bit more mature. So she wasn't joining in all the vitriol going back and forth. And she wasn't trying to be a troll and she wasn't trying to do anything else. But she definitely has her, her mindset. She lives up there in, in Idaho and just a little bit different uh, of a life. And by the way, I'm not I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Biden supporter. People like to think of themselves in these binary aspects. I have a lot of arguments with my two of my good friends. And uh, one of them tends to think that I'm always a, a right winger because he's a left winger. I just have a lot in, that I don't agree with him on. It doesn't mean that I'm that other side either. So there's people have a hard time understanding that. So I can criticize the taking on of Chloe Dogger and, and basically her wrong think as everyone's going on here. And it doesn't mean that I'm a hateful person myself. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything she says. It just means that I don't think that the treatment she's getting for clicking a box and thinking a different way. And what did she do? So evidently, and I, she didn't tweet it herself, but evidently she liked a tweet that said something along the lines of white privilege doesn't exist. I don't know. Biden just got elected. He's a white guy. Um, she also had an audacity to to like a tweet stating something like men who self-identify as women are not actually women, just as children who self-identify as mermaids are not actually fish. Mm. Are mermaids fish anyway? Okay, maybe that's going down the wrong road there. But now, agree with her or not, why does anyone care about those kind of things? I mean, uh, it was interesting during the world championships, I was comparing her times to some of the men uh, because I thought that was interesting. One, she's not going to beat them in. She was off to them for a few minutes. But uh, until she wrecked, she was doing better than some of the men. And the, t the woman that won, Vandenbergen, I think it was, um, she was she beat some men as well. And it, it happens. But and the more, more likely than not, if you put the men in the women field, you're going to have a man win those things. So there's, look, we have some issues that we need to contend with. And we've talked about this, about um, transgender riding with women. It's always the men riding with the women. So if she's got a problem with that, wouldn't she maybe be an ultimate feminist saying that women are their own and they don't need men to come in and compete? Merman. There you go, Matt. Thanks. Um, that they don't need, I mean, what? You had uh, <laughs> you had our Bruce Jenner become a woman and he was instantly like woman of the year. I mean, he had been in this game not very long and he was suddenly winning at it. I think that's not a very feminist point of view. Um, regardless, taking some of this as a joke because I think it's ridiculous. What ended up coming out was can't, she had to do an apology online, a mea culpa. Um, Canyon SRAM came out and they also were like kind of ripping her even though they had just hired her. All these tweets and these likes had been done well before they hired her. So that was kind of stupid on their part. Do your own research if you think this is a problem. And then you look like kind of the, the crappy people after that. Um, Matt, I'm going to put this up 
on here because you deserve to have a, a little bit of a, a note on that joke. Um, so Canyon Sram, they took offense to this. I thought that was kind of lame itself. But, you know, I looked at her Twitter, or she put it up on Instagram that I saw, and I thought it was pretty cool. Reggie Miller, basketball legend, made a comment there like, hey, you know, we all learn from things, you're great, and just kind of a positive way to respond to her. You know, he's big into cycling now. And um, he was just like, hey, great to hear that. Um, you know, move forward, positive, da 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 Oh my God, the, the vitriol that people were taking at him, you know, it was, and it was kind of humorous because it was, should we go down this length of uh, men can have babies, men can have periods? It was all just weird, weird, convoluted um, stuff to go along with the fact that she liked some tweets, whether she agrees with them, whether she does or not. I don't know. But the point on all of this is really, it's the wrong thing. Um, and how we all perceive this, this is just a cyclist. Uh, and I know people get mad at me for just saying it's just, but you got to kind of talk about this. Um, you know, this is, these are just people out there. Do we, do we want to push it to the point where they should not be allowed to have a job? I guess that's what it is. And it's just cycling. Um, I know, but you know, people make whatever, agree with it or not. Cold, hard facts. Doesn't matter. Laws the way we are. Um, Good luck, Chloe Darger, in 2020. Welcome to the the fact that you are a little bit more high profile. You know, a friend of mine, I, he said this privately, so I don't want to say anything, but he's just like, hey, I'm glad I'm not a famous person. Well, true, um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, um, are you sticking Are you sticking up for Chloe at any point? And I don't mean like sticking up for points of view, because uh, these were, look, these what are the two things they had here? These are opinions, right? Uh, white privilege doesn't exist. I don't know. Who cares? Well, I'm sure someone does, and I'll probably get beat up for that. But these are just opinions she has, and I guess we are not allowed to do that. And stand up for someone's right to uh, think differently. You know, I, I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, Ira Glass. He was uh, one of the main founders of the ACLU, talking about the Skokie, Illinois, Casey with the uh, the neo-Nazis at the time defending their right to do it. And he's like, you know, everyone thinks they're for free speech, uh, but they're really only for free speech that affects them. And that's, that's uh, kind of what we're looking at here. Anyway, good luck, Chloe. Eddie B passes away. Uh, and anybody know who Eddie Bore, Boris Borashowitz is? Bore Sewitz. That's who he's a legendary coach. He helped push USA Cycling into the spotlight in the 1980s and beyond. He was from Poland. Um, he was kind of into swimming and he got into cycling as a junior. Um, then he didn't really make the national team because somehow it came out that his dad was anti-communist. Back in then, you, you know, part of the Eastern Bloc, that didn't go well, so he kind of got shunned. Uh, but he really got big into coaching. And next thing you know, I think in the 76 Olympics up in Canada, he was up there and he kind of moved down to the U.S. He met uh, the head of USA Cycling. And I think in 78, he started working for USA Cycling. He worked for them through late 90s, mid late 90s. But he was a big part of USA Cycling. He just recently passed away. Um, he was in his 80s. Evidently, he had a little complication from COVID. So, you know, he's right in that wheelhouse of uh, 80 plus year olds who are dying from COVID, uh, especially in California. Um, he lost his house in SoCal in a, the, one of the fires a few years ago, lost a bunch of cycling memorabilia. Uh, people donated a bunch of money. And he, I think he rebuilt the house. Um, I thought I saw some quotes about him here. Um, some people were talking about him. His lack of English meant he had to use um, the son of a Polish friend, another cyclist, as a translator when he was first starting. And he said, it really cuts your authority when you want to be commanding and you have to speak through a 12-year-old. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, he told one member of the national team that they were overweight and observed that America was, quote, a land of fat people. 
That's not untrue at all. Uh, what's the most interesting to me? Uh, part, well, he helped coached um, Greg LeMond, kind of came up through in that whole time. He said he discovered uh, Lance Armstrong, not Chris Carmichael. I guess there's a little riff there. You know, Chris Carmichael, that's an interesting story where he took a lot and made a lot of money uh, post Lance and kind of being the person. But I think we all know it was McKelly Ferrari that was actually the coach, and he was just allowed to kind of be this beard so to speak, for Lance Armstrong, made him have a little more credibility in the States. You know, Chris gets to write a bunch of books, gets to make a bunch of money. And then the underhanded real coaching was being done by McKelly Frey. Anyway, Eddie B, he, um, 1980, he was real big, because remember he came onto USA Cycling around in 78. Uh, he was real big with the USA Cycling team for the Olympics. Okay, remember, 70, was it 76? Um, uh, it, no, 84 was the Olympics, sorry. 1980, uh, I'm getting all confused here, but there was the one, uh, I think it was the 80 Olympics that we didn't go to Moscow, and then 84 was in LA. I think that's that's how it works. And um, so we didn't go to Moscow. A lot of the Russians and, and Soviet bloc didn't come to ours. Uh, the one in LA, and but we won gold medals. Um, Alexi Graywall, um, Connie Carpenter, Finney, uh, Rebecca Twig, a bunch of silver medals that were won as well. Steve Bauer, even for Canada. Uh, anyway, USA Cycling, uh, they did very well. And he at one point was saying, look, we really have to be able to compete with these other teams. And they're doing some different things. And one of the things they were doing was blood boosting, blood doping, which became pretty famous, you know, later on Tyler Hamilton, Lance Armstrong, Operation Puerto, that kind of thing. You know, when they couldn't, when they could no longer do the EPO because they were getting tested for it, they went back to the old school, which was blood doping, which we'd used in the, in the Olympics. So uh, as it was with that, um, Eddie B was kind of part of that. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't illegal at the time, but it was definitely looked bad against. And I think they had like a, a he had a one month suspension for it. But um, reading kind of a little bit about that was this guy named Edmund Burke. So uh, is it Edmund Burke? Someone Burke. And he was, I have one of his books. He was real big. He was kind of like a, um, Mr. Friel, uh, Dirk, Joe Friel. He was like him with a lot of stuff about um, uh, new, new technology for training and stuff in the 80s. And he was really the one, he was taking some of the U, uh, USA Cycling people in this, you know, hotel rooms and doing their blood doping. And uh, I don't know that Eddie B was so much on board with it, but he was, whether he sh knew about it enough, I don't know. He, he definitely knew, <laughs> he definitely knew what was coming of it. Anyway, he died. Um, I don't know that, I don't know, I think he might've been very useful for USA Cycling. Um, obviously we did well in the Olympics without the Eastern Bloc. But I think he started to change uh, how people uh, perceived, uh, you know, the cyclists themselves, how they took this sport and how they perceived themselves in training. And then of course, Greg LeMond comes along and kind of breaks all norms and just a different facet of, of rider. So, um, Eddie B never met him. I saw him a few times, uh, heard him talk. Um, definitely had an accent. Uh, cyclocross. Cyclocross is coming up this weekend here in California. Um, hopefully, I know we're getting um, we're getting shut down as far as COVID stuff. They have a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. So I don't know if it's stronger during the night, but um, at least the racing itself is not during that time. So they're having one at Lakewood Church in the 21st. Uh, and so we'll see if uh, that takes off. So check it out. I think it's time your race. You can look for the mount, the, the, the cross racing coming there. Um, so in the two, uh, in, in cycling right now, there's this guy, 
coach Freeman, <clears throat> I think is his name. And he is kind of coming unglued with uh, investigations. And he was one of the, the doctors for Sky at the time. And so there was this, um, let's see if we can share the screen here. Bobby Julik evidently was implicated with, um, with him. And so Bobby Julik has kind of come out and made some comments. And the headline is maybe a little bit more shocking than the actual news itself. Julik, it's idiotic to think there is anything suspicious about Chris Froome. Former coach, a Sky coach, dismisses concerns raised by Sutton and repeated at Freeman hearing. So what was interesting, they were talking about this motorcycle trip that Chris Froome took and how it was very suspicious. Now, you, you read that and you go like, come on, there's there's nothing suspicious about Chris Froome. I think we all know that there's could be some suspicious things. Uh, eh? We, we've, we've seen what stage 19 of the Jiro uh, a few years ago, which was enough to, to put everyone kind of on their heels. Um, however, Bobby Julik, I thought, just thought this was an interesting thing here. In an interview with the Times, Julik insisted there was no mystery beyond Froome's trip across the Franco-Italian border on a motorbike. Now, what this was happening, Froome was new to the team. Bobby Julik was coaching it. And... Um, Froome was coming up. He was he didn't have the money that everyone else did. And so this is what Julik says. Um, it was early 2011, and Chris was a young writer living in Italy. I was based in Monaco and was working with Richie Port, then a Saxo Bank down there. Sky had me keep an eye on this kid, even though they weren't sure he was going to get a new contract at the end of the season. And, you know, if he hadn't done well that year, I think that's when he would have uh, supposed to be signing for EF. Well, then it was Garmin. Uh, then Chris suddenly contacts me and says he's selling everything and he has to move to Monaco to work with me. From my notes, it looks like it would have been late January. I was like, wow, he's being paid. He's not being paid much. He'll have to live in a box, but he was committed. Anyway, what I think was April, he shipped the stuff in a truck and then rode his motorbike. It was like an off-road bike. He couldn't really use it on the highway to Monaco along the coastal roads. The bike was his prized possession, but the first thing I had him do was get rid of it. I don't think he ever rode it again. Um... Anyway, uh, I believed in what they were trying to do, and I never heard anything that was come out in this Freeman hearing about testosterone patches. That's all been a surprise to me, said Julik, who was critical of Freeman's handling of Froome's struggles and the, the tropical disease behaviors. Yeah, I have the notes from the time when I first met Chris and Sky. said he was sick a lot. I felt let down by Dr. Freeman. He was in Manchester and wasn't paying attention to the things I was seeing. I guess he wasn't one of the Sky's main writers, being Chris I was. One day, Chris's numbers could be good, if not better than Brad's. And the next, he could barely scratch himself. I got him to see a specialist and sort things out. Um, all interesting parts there. Uh, so it was just interesting that you saw that uh, um, the, the initial thing is it's idiotic to think there's anything suspicious about Chris Froome. Uh, dig a little deeper. And that's an interesting story that's going to play itself out. I think um, the more we have transparency on a lot of these things, and you know, look, back in the day, you didn't have doctors on teams and then you started to bring doctors on and that, that was thought to be suspicious. Then they're like, well, no, you know, I mean, you just want to make sure everyone's healthy. Okay, that's fine. And you're right. It's good to keep, make sure that writers and the team, you know, are, and their investments are kept healthy and talk about here. If Chris Froome has have some sort of disease or something that he doesn't know about, um, then maybe that's the case, but also doctors that aren't really on the up and up, or you start getting paid a lot, or you think that maybe it's part, you know, saw this with the Lance thing where you start to say, well, look, it's actually healthier if we administer all the narcotics and everything else we give to them to make sure that they're doing it correctly. Eh, okay. I don't know. Well, it'll still be interesting to see what comes out of this, uh, Freeman thing. 
uh, mailbag. I uh, don't really have anything. I appreciate all you guys' comments on anything you have. Um, someone wrote on our page the other day, what the F is this? That was on, on one of our old, I, I don't know what, the, I, dope cycling commentary. Maybe that's what, and I mean by dope, I mean like hip. Is that what I mean? Uh, that's all we have for today. Sorry about the uh, sound flub to begin with, but you know what? I think we'll make it work. Hope you guys get a good ride in this weekend. We're supposed to be having, well, I'm looking outside and the weather seems to be pretty good. So I think I'll go home and do a ride and get some in before it gets too, uh, too crappy. Hope you get to do some racing too. So let me know if you guys are being able to do any auto renew and what that whole situation is with your, um, with your USA cycling, because like I said, they're going to nab you for a few hundred dollars and you may not be able to do anything about it. And then they might not have a race. See ya.